Welcome back to the Innovator Podcast, the female entrepreneur series that dives into the stories of how women founders tackled hardship and difficulties to ultimately find success. My name is Erica Sullivan and I am the host of the Innovator Podcast and today I'm welcoming Julia Mitereva. Julia is the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Fashion Potluck. Fashion Potluck is a women's social media platform that serves as an enabler and a catalyst for women content creators, dealing with themes from fashion, beauty, lifestyle, travel, and food. Fashion Potluck empowers women, allowing them freedom of expression, ability to have an impact, boldness, and as an outlet for creativity and inspiration. Julia, welcome to the Innovator Podcast. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the Innovator Podcast. We are so excited to have you on today to talk about fashion potluck, your journey. And, you know, the audience might not know, but I actually had the opportunity to connect with you months and months ago. So this has been a while in the making. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Erica, for this opportunity. And it's quite um, actually curious to be on the other side of the podcast, because <laughs> generally I would host them. <laughs> I know it's definitely a, a different perspective, but we're so excited to have you on today. And what I normally like to launch straight into is for you to start us at the very beginning of your journey. What was your early life like and how has your story evolved to get you where you are today? Sure. Well, I think actually there is a lot to to talk about in terms of my childhood so i'll try to keep it maybe a bit concise and yeah just let's keep it as interactive as possible so what what should i start with so basically i think the most important thing about my childhood and why it led me to where i am right now is uh, my family and my parents why i'm specifying this is because i think my parents both of them they are very ambitious they're very driven they're very creative and i think both of them were always how would i even say this yeah like very driven you know very driven very agile for example my father he was um, a professional footballer his whole life and my mother is right now um, a fashion photographer and stylist the best one in my country moldova where i'm from initially and they they don't really have like any like privileged background or anything like that so everything they have achieved they were working hard for like for years they've been building their reputation their knowledge and what they have now i mean my mother um, is through hard work so i think why i'm here right now is most not maybe not mostly but definitely is affected by my parents you know, because like I was growing up looking at how they work, looking how they love what they're doing and how they're growing day by day. So growing up, I think I was a very active kid. I was modest, but active in terms of activities. You know, like I was always doing a lot of things day by day. And uh, I think I was also quite, you know, entrepreneurial from an early age. Yeah, so I think I had quite a, an entrepreneurial mindset and was very active. And I was surprised because when I was thinking about my childhood for this podcast, I realized that actually I have worked at over 18 places till this moment. So that's quite a lot, I think, you know, like for because I'm also relatively young. <laughs> and um, but it also related because I started my first job at 14. 
so talking about yeah oh, wow. i was actually like it was funny like i was selling underwear in a shopping center and it was actually um, illegal because i was 14 i think you can only work from 16 but i found the way to do it you know through friends for like nepotism nepotism um i started working there but that's that's not the point so when i say i was entrepreneurial minded i i think from like the age of 10 i was you know already doing something like i had my own club where i had 18 girls and i was organizing events at the age of 10 and i'm like looking back i'm quite surprised you know because it's actually quite similar to what i'm doing now i have a community of women it's much bigger right now it's like 65000 versus like 20 women but still you know and um yeah, and at, at um, my first sort of venture was, I think, when I was, I don't know, like maybe 17. Yeah, something like that. I started selling uh, toothpastes with my boyfriend. He's, I think, like, he also has a quite entrepreneurial mindset. Not, It's not the current boyfriend. It was, like, way back. But he had, like, a quite entrepreneurial, but, like, low-key entrepreneurial mindset. You know, like, he would buy stuff like somewhere like from China or the US and would resell them back home. So what we did together, we started selling uh, toothpaste, whitening toothpaste, which we would purchase in the US and sell them in Moldova for like three times higher price. And it would work, you know, like that's surprising, like it would mm -hmm. work. I still remember like how I would like the, for the first clients, I would deliver it, you know, um, myself. And it was, it was like nerve wracking. It was surprising and we were like, so enthusiastic mm -hmm. and happy. And um, in the meantime, um, aside of the toothpaste, I decided with my best friend at the time as well to open a dance school. And um, we were dancing, like I was dancing like from age four. So I was quite a professional dancer at the time. And you know, it was just so easy. We were like one day like, oh, like we, we don't like the dance school where we are currently at. So let's start our own thing. And we had, I don't know, like 12 years of dancing experience or maybe a bit more. Actually, no, like, yeah, like 13 years of dancing experience. And we thought, yeah, like we can definitely, you know, like teach the beginning, the beginners in dancing to dance. And it's fun. We can dance what we want. We can create our own routines. So like in a week, we found a place. We started our own dance school. And like, I think in a month we had like already 40 people attending it. So, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it was kind of looking back. I think it was kind of cool. And I think looking back, I was also way more like, I don't know, brave in this regards. I was just not overthinking these things. I mean, it was hard. I mean, and both of them, they worked for a couple of years, but yeah, I I stopped them at some point because I think the dance school at the end, it was at, like, I think after two years, I had to close it down. You know, it wasn't delivering the result that I wanted to achieve with it. And uh, the toothpaste, my boyfriend continued for a while after we broke up. But, you know, I was just not overthinking these things. I was not thinking for a year, okay, what should I do? You just, you just start and you start little. So I think that was pretty cool. And anyways, to again, to keep this uh, a bit shorter. So yeah, I had all these things. I worked at a lot of uh, different jobs. Why I worked, not because there was a particular need, but because I wanted to be independent and also because I just wanted to do something, you know, something meaningful. So I think I did very different kinds of jobs from very kind of miserable ones to more, you know, like fulfilling ones. So, and then, 
And then after I closed down my dancing school, I went um, to study in Germany, where I also had all kinds of different jobs. And then years after, I ended up where I am now. But I think the like German story is uh, something a bit different. And I think we could uh, yeah, gradually jump into the education uh, question. I think Germany ended my childhood. <laughs> you know, like the reality hit really hard. <laughs> it was the hardest time for me. Let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, you said you as a child were very entrepreneurial driven. You know, it's something that kind of just came naturally for you and it was something that drove you. So I was going to ask where fashion potluck comes into the story, but it sounds like we have to talk about Germany first because you said that's really where your childhood ended, business school in Germany and, you know, kind of what that journey was like for you. Sure. So I moved to Germany to study in a business school and um, I was... I think 18, something like that. And at when I was 16, my father uh, passed away from cancer. So I think I didn't, you know, I was 16. I was quite again active. So I kind of like, you know, it was extremely painful because we were like very close with my father. But it was kind of like, you know, it didn't get to me. I think it only got to me in Germany. It kind of hit me even harder years later I mean it still hits me till this day actually I think it's harder and harder with time but so when I went to Germany um, I was by myself it was the first time where when I would live on my own I had my own place there um, I was living in like um, how do you call it like a dormitory like a residence school residence um, and there was uh, very little money you know so my father passed away and my mother was the only source of income for basically the whole family because I have a younger sister and grandparents. It was really hard. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure, to be honest, you know, like I'm, I was, I never knew like how much my mother would earn, I mean, precisely. So, but I had this principle that I I didn't feel like asking for money. I felt that I'm 18, you know, like um, in here back home and I think here in Europe as well, 18 is the legal age for everything, you know, so I'm an adult. I need to make money on myself. Like I can't just be living in Germany where it's extremely expensive, like times more expensive than back home and asking money from my mother, who is basically, again, a source of income for the whole family. So it was really hard. I wouldn't ask for money. Um, I was maybe a bit maybe a bit too extreme in these regards, to be honest. Sometimes I would have 10 euros for a whole week. And I think if my mother knew that, I mean, she would definitely, you know, freak out. Like, come on, I can give you 10 euros per week for sure, even though it was hard. But, you know, there was definitely more than 10 euros per week. So I was a bit extreme. But then this, I think, this time it changed me a lot. It kind of like, you know, flipped my life, like upside down. So I gained a lot of weight. I got, yeah, like some other like uh, skin problems. I bro broke up with my boyfriend and then like I had financial issues. But all of this again, yeah, I flipped my life upside down. And then I started doing something. I started working. I, um, I became uh, what I could do at that moment while studying. I became a Zumba instructor. I got a license. It's quite funny. <laughs> like, I mean, I think the Zumba thing is like a funny 
you know, thing in my biography is super random. <laughs> but I started being a licensed Zumba instructor and I was like working, I think, six days a week. So I was starting in the morning and I would do like at least one session per day of, of a class, of a Zumba class. So I was working also a lot physically and it was fine, but it was it's not the most well-paid job. And also <laughs> I would not lose weight. I was just in a very stressful period. And then uh, after that, I also had other jobs on the side together with Zumba. I was working at the warehouses, et cetera, et cetera, when I would make money. But also back then I didn't know, you know, like how to for formulate this. So basically I started slowly making money with Zumba. Then when I went to warehouses, I started making more money, more money, more money. And then I got this money and then I didn't know where how to use money this money wisely so I would just spend it like traveling and I wouldn't know how to travel properly and clothing and then I would end up without money again and it would make me even more stressed so it was a, just a weird period in my life where yeah it, it was everything was weird I was I didn't feel confident I didn't feel comfortable I wasn't happy in Germany I forgot to mention this it's I extremely didn't enjoy living in Germany I it's just not my country. Not sure exactly what reasons for these are, but it just didn't work, which just didn't match. <laughs> and then I didn't like the country mm -hmm. where I live. I didn't like my uh, education. So it was just a weird period. And only in Amsterdam, I went back to life. But of course, I'll right now uh, mm. introduce this journey. So back in Germany, I met a friend Carla, a big shout out to Carla. Hopefully she will listen to this. Um, she is uh, a South African, but she worked in Germany. She was living there at the moment and we met. We met in a gym um, and we we really, I don't know, like we really liked each other. We really matched um, and we started being really good friends. And we were really good friends for a couple of years and Carla would keep telling me about her country. And then I got this idea. I was like, okay, I need to change something in my life. I don't like Germany. I don't like what I'm doing. And already at that point, I started doing some uh, social media uh, freelancing. Um, I was a blogger myself, yeah, maybe like for a few years. Uh, and I was uh, like on the side, uh, getting some knowledge in social media marketing, which was kind of like the whole Instagram social media thing was just pretty much starting. Um, so then I started doing it for brands. I had a couple of clients and then I got this idea. Okay. I need to find a job somewhere, internship job, whatever works. And for some reason I wanted to do it in South Africa, not for some reason, but because of Carla, because she kept telling me how amazing that is and how beautiful it is. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do an internship or find a job in South Africa. And I had a set of interviews, uh, with South African companies, some of them, um, were good. Some didn't work out even for bureaucratic reasons. And then I, in my way, I met this company. I met this person that I said, Luis, who is my current co-founder in LinkedIn while I was looking for jobs. So then I was talking with Luis on one side, having a kind of like a set of meetings um, uh, about joining Fashion Podluck. He already kind of started Fashion Podluck just just started and then on another side i had um an interview with a south african company and basically almost on the same day they both both said yes 
and fashion potlucks start uh, sounded so much cooler than uh, a research junior research executive in South Africa. <laughs> but then, you know, because it was a dream, I said to Luis, "I'm sorry, but I love your company, but I have to follow the dream," and I went to South Africa to get a job. I went there, it was winter in South Africa, summer for us here in the Northern Hemisphere, but it was uh, winter back down in South Africa. I got to the office, which was two hours out of Cape Town. I was taking public transport. It was extremely dangerous. It was bad weather. It didn't look as nice as Carla would describe. <laughs> and then the job itself, it was terrible. Like I was in an office without windows. Um, it was very small. I was doing, yeah, I, I was doing the job that I didn't like. I was a market researcher and uh, I would just do uh, research into big markets of South Africa, such as pet food market or fast food market. So it's like a massive amount of information. And um, it was just not something that where I saw myself, you know, like I'm very creative as well. So then I was like, okay, well, I guess I wanted this. <laughs> so I kept doing this and then Luis a month later he messaged me like hey like I mean I hope everything is well in South Africa but you know like we got along um, during our meetings um, your personality kind of like fits what I'm looking for so would you want to do some freelance work for us I was like yes of course so then I was doing freelance uh, work for Luis and fashion pod like at the very kind of like beginning of the company and then I was working in South Africa and all was kind of well, but then again, my happiness level wasn't increasing. You know, I was at the same point. I think honestly, it was even decreasing. I think the expectations meet reality and it was just, yeah. I mean, I could even say miserable. I mean, I felt and mentally, I felt really bad and without even understanding it. I thought all was well, but now it, it wasn't. I feel like sometimes people think there is one path you know, it's you get educated, you go and get this job, you start a family, you do this and that. And there is one straight path. And what I love when people understand and when they share their stories about a path that isn't linear, it is a bunch of different choices and options. And you kind of go around in circles until you get back to where you're happy. And I love stories like that because there's so much more truth to those stories than the linear path that we're taught as kids yeah. as being like the normal thing. So I think your story is so fascinating. You weren't, you weren't happy. So you decide, okay, I'm going to pivot. What's going to make me happy? What is my next step? And you weren't caught in something that made you unhappy. You decided it was time to change and do something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also totally agree with you that there is a very standard path, which I never really liked. I mean, maybe initially, maybe I thought I would follow it before even going to school, I think. But then from the point where I decided to go to South Africa to now, I I just think there shouldn't be a thing such a standard path, to be honest. But I think about this whole path and the universities, maybe we can touch upon as well a bit later, because I have some thoughts, because you also asked me like when we were catching up before the podcast, like what's you know, what's your opinion on universities? Did it help you? So then like, okay, like let's backtrack. So how I went actually to fashion potluck. So then, yeah, I started working as a freelancer for Louise while being a junior researcher. And it was so bad that I decided to again quit, again pivot. 
And then I was like, okay, I mean, I need to quit, even though my mom was like, okay, you're gonna quit, but you know, I'm always here for you, but what are you gonna do? Like you're on a different like continent and you don't have money, what are you gonna do? So then what I did was I somehow, I think being very persistent, I just, I just found a bunch of clients for social media marketing. So I was um, doing social media marketing for um, one woman who wanted to become a blogger. So I was making her kind of a blogger, <laughs> uh, which was actually very mm -hmm. interesting. It was a lot of fun. I was doing also social media for another business and then another business, like very different kinds of businesses. Then I joined some woman for uh, also like a social media marketing manager in her company but remotely so yeah it was it was fun I mean like that's that's the thing that's what also you're saying I mean I think the main conclusion here is that if you're unhappy doing something you can change you know I, I understand only now but back then it was so risky for me to make this change I didn't have a pillow you know like where on which I could kind of bump I didn't have you know, like a rich parents. I didn't have uh, a backup plan. I didn't have a job waiting for me. I didn't have anything. But then I was like, oh, I don't like my job. I feel extremely miserable there. So let me change. And I think if you really want a, a change, and if you're really being persistent in this, I think you can just, yeah, make it happen. I, I think I made it happen several times, to be honest. So anyways, after that, after South Africa, I think I only had a visa for half a year anyways. And Luis knew that. He said, hey, we're, it, it's working out. We are working together pretty well. Come and join me here in Amsterdam full time. So then I, I was like, yeah, <laughs> sounds like a fantastic idea. <laughs> so then I just packed my things and I uh, traveled a bit before with my friends. Um, spent all the money, <laughs> spent all the little money I earned in uh, South Africa. And then I went to Amsterdam. And funny thing is that, uh, I mean, I'm laughing, but I think like the experience in Germany, I mean, of course, like all right now is all, is, the story is still quite superficial because I didn't get, you know, into the small details. It's not possible, of course, time-wise, but I think it quite, I think it quite traumatized me, you know, so it's funny, but I never came back to Germany <laughs> since then. I moved to Amsterdam, I think, three and a half years ago. And my my stuff still remained in Germany because living for South Africa, I thought that I would um, come back to Germany, but I never did. I just I was like, I can't do this <laughs> it's too much. So some of my things are still at my friends' places. <laughs> Oh, crazy story. I mean, I, I think that's incredible. And then now let's talk about Fashion Potluck. So it's it's based in Amsterdam, yeah. and it's a women's social media platform that serves as an outlet for creativity and inspiration. And honestly, it sounds like everything that you were looking for in a career being already entrepreneurial-minded growing up, I mean, you said from a very early age, that's where your focus was, that's what excited you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the mission and vision of Fashion Potluck and what this platform serves for its users. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, you yourself uh, have been our user for a couple of months and we've known each other for a bit as well. 
So as you mentioned in the beginning, I believe Fashion Potluck, yeah, it's a social media platform for women. So our vision at the moment, at the moment, I'm saying at the moment because it was evolving through these years, it's every woman has an opportunity to create content, be heard and seen, be supported through a strong and authentic women community. And consequently, uh, our mission is to become the point of reference for women-generated content on the internet. So basically, we want to have this strong, supportive, authentic, empowering women community where women can express themselves, where women can communicate with each other, where women will just go to find content that they're looking for. For like, this is our like end mission sort of, for example, you know, like if you're um, having a brunch with your friends at your place and you want to find a recipe for a lemon cake, you would go to Fashion Potluck. Or your friend is asking you, um, hey, um, I don't know how to deal with my PMS. You would go to Fashion Potluck. So we want to become this website where you go to find value-added content and you know that it's created by women like you and they, where you also can go to create this content. So compared to other social media platforms, content on Fashion Potluck is, again, <laughs> I'm repeating myself, value-added because of the length of the articles. So we don't have small captions like on Instagram. That's quick and fantastic. We don't have even shorter captions like Twitter. We are more, in terms of the um, article like layout, I guess, we are more towards medium. So we want to have value at the platform. We want women to create value and we want them to be read. That, I mean, you said yourself, I've had the opportunity yeah. to be on the platform for a while now. And it really is such a great community of women content creators who are on that platform engaging with one another. I know I published my first post on the platform and I had so many comments from other women who were interested in engaging and learning. And that was it, it's really nice in a time of competition that Instagram brings, having a community aspect where I don't feel like I'm competing for space. Exactly. So that's a good point. Uh, we don't have uh, biased algorithms like an Instagram, for example, where you can only appear on the top if your engagement is high. In our platform at the moment, we have an algorithm of first come, first served. So basically, if at this second you're going to fashion pod like I'm making the post, you will appear on the top. And at the same time, compared to yeah, Instagram, let's compare it to Instagram. When you're coming to Fashion Potluck, you already have an audience. <laughs> because we have this community at the moment, uh, we have uh, over 65,000 active women monthly, and we're growing at, um, at an 8% rate monthly. You, when you're coming to Fashion Potluck and making your first post, you will appear in the homepage, and you already have an audience because most of our users, they come to the homepage where they can see end categories, of course, and you can see everything over there. So when you post something, people already, people will see it for sure. It depends on the quality of your content, how many people will actually click on it. It really depends on the image you choose, on the title you choose, on the value that your article gives. But you have all the chances to be seen by, I mean, yeah, like thousands of women. So that's, that's quite cool. But... I think it's important to mention that we started very different as well. I mean, our company story, we, we pivoted quite a bit and we didn't pivot ourselves, it's kind of like the community <laughs> pivoted us, but Fashion Potluck, mm -hmm. it started as a fashion look sharing platform. 
So it was the idea of Louise, and he um, started uh, a website where women would share their looks. Therefore, initially, it's called Fashion Potluck. And we didn't actually think it will evolve into what it is right now. But I think uh, I think it's fantastic. You know, it became this social media platform, a very empowering one. You know, we're we're trying to support women. We're trying to promote women. We're trying to make them heard. We are also, I think, we're trying as much as we can to be, um, you know, activists and support women as much as we can. You know, um, recently we launched um, our new service for brands which is marketing a solution it's an all-round marketing solution for brands that target women audiences um, and it's a very cool package it has different tools for marketeers but even there when the brand is purchasing um, a package a monthly um, package then we are we're donating five percent to um, female supporting ngos so i'm quite happy at where we are right now. I think it's quite fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's fantastic as well. So if there are women listening right now who are saying, this sounds amazing, but I won't con I don't consider myself a content creator. I'm not a blogger. I'm not a YouTuber. You told me right when we first spoke about this that it is you don't have to fall into one of those categories or even think you're in one of those categories to join and have a voice. Mm -hmm. So do you want to dive a little bit into that and you know how the community is open to all absolutely yeah our community is open to all and we yeah we even say we have one community but there are two kinds of users it's a bit technological maybe but there are people yes there are people who create content who want to share their thoughts but that's not everyone i mean you can share whatever is on your mind you don't need to be a blogger right uh you can just share your birthday story, whatever you feel like it. But again, as you mentioned yourself, you don't have to. Uh, so you can just join community, you can register and not create content. You can be a reader because we have thousands at the moment, like literally thousands of articles. You can you can just uh, check uh, on Fashion Pod like daily to see what are the news, what's new, what women are talking about. You can join it, you can read it, you can interact, you can leave comments, you can save articles, like we have a bookmark tool, you can like them and people will see it, you can follow, or you can even message our community, we have our own messenger. So yeah, you can be basically a user that's consuming content and not necessarily creating it. And I mean, I'm creating content myself, a fashion product as well, whatever I feel like it, but I'm not a blogger. So if I, for example, my one of my latest posts, I think was either about acne or about my favorite books. And I just felt like sharing it, you know, because I'm, I, I, I like those books, I'm on a quarantine. So I would, I would just share it, but I'm not a writer. But at the same time, there are like weeks where I'm just consuming content. And I think lately, also due to current quarantine, we've got I think the quantity of our posts has increased by quite a lot. So we have a lot of new posts daily. So I'm just waking up, opening Fashion Podluck, checking in what's new, reading the articles, and they're pretty cool. I love that. I was going to ask about quarantine as well because I was looking through my blog analytics last month and my analytics tripled. And I was like, what is going on? And I, it took me a moment before I was like, duh, Erica, everyone's quarantined. Like, what else are they doing other than checking out this content? Yep. Yeah, actually, um, 
we've experienced a similar situation. We, yeah, our user base has increased quite a lot, not only the user base, uh, but the activity on the platform. Yeah, again, I think the amount of our posts, like some days we have so many new posts that it, I think it's even like five times more than no normally. So that's uh, that's quite good. Of course, of course, there's a downside because we are a business at the very end and we are selling our services to companies. And the m many of those companies are in the crisis right now. So that is a problem. So there is a good side of the quarantine for us that, I mean, activity for our social media platform has increased, I would say, by yeah, quite a bit. I mean, yeah by a lot <laughs> but there's a downside of course that business-wise we're facing the crisis as well because companies are you know cutting their marketing budgets companies are frozen freezing their marketing budgets and that's that's a bit more problematic yeah so there's positive and negative side as in everything in life <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I did want to ask about is, you know, COVID-19, I know it's affecting companies left and right, and it's really hard to avoid it. Um, but what are, what are things like over in Amsterdam right now? How are you guys coping? Are you guys, um, you know, getting back to normal? Are things still in quarantine? What are things like over there? So for, for the past three months, we were on a on an intelligent quarantine, this is how this is how the government called it. Basically, we we could go out on the street, we could walk, but with restri restrictions, of course. I mean, yeah, restrictions and as everywhere else, like a one and a half meter distance, no restaurants, uh, no cafes, takeaway available, but no shops, only supermarkets. But it was quite uh, comfortable, I would say, you know, like I could still go for my daily walk, go get coffee, my favorite place, just take away, just wait in the line a bit longer. But I would say it was quite, yeah, comfortable for me. For example, I was working from home. It was okay. From this week, actually, no, from the 1st of June, we have uh, the restaurants and cafes uh, and bars open with the reservation. So I myself already went to a couple of places and it feels fantastic. Um, it, it's getting back to, I wouldn't say normal, it's like a new normal, but it's better than it was before. And from uh, this week, actually, it's my second day at our office. So finally, our office was able to um welcome us so i'm quite happy about that so i think little by little we're going back to the new normal with the restrictions um i'm it feels still a bit weird it feels a bit wild that uh, i'm avoiding people you know like when we're walking like we would like avoid each other we would not touch each other and we would walk and step like on like certain paths so it still feels a bit weird but i think in in the netherlands it's it's quite okay. I mean, I must say I'm happy that I'm here because talking to my friends, uh, I have a very a lot of international friends, and I think in many countries it was much worse. So um, yeah, I think it's it's quite okay. I mean, I'm thinking about the second wave of uh, the COVID-19. Hopefully, it will not happen, but let's see how it goes. No, I know a lot of places are starting to experience their second wave now. And here in the United States, 
we're still trying to fight the first one. I know I don't personally have a date when I'll be back in, in the office. We're working from home indefinitely because we just have no idea what things are going to look like. A lot yeah. of companies have downsized. So now they're questioning whether or not an office is actually necessary for them. Because mm -hmm. um, one, they had to downsize. And two, maybe they realize that their company is fine at home and they never would have realized that otherwise because you're a company, you're in an office, that seemed to be the right thing to do. It, it's weird to have something that affects, affects everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I think this year has been quite weird in general. I think, I think it's just changing things so quickly. Yeah, it has affected everyone. Everyone knows about it. It's quite a weird thing. I think we've never faced anything like this. I mean, in terms of the pandemic, of course, but also like that every, it's, everyone is affected. It is indeed quite weird. Also, yeah, also right now, um, the I wouldn't, yeah, I don't want to touch upon too much. It's a sensitive topic, but the Black Lives Matter, I think, I think it also affects quite everyone at the moment, whether you acknowledge it or not. But I think we also are quite affected by it. So, yeah, I think these are very, very curious times, to be honest. A bit scary, but very curious times. Yeah, I saw a, like a meme. I mean, we've probably all seen the meme that it's like a new like episode of Black Mirror, which is one of my favorite shows. Yeah, but yeah, it's, Black Mirror is my, one of my favorite shows. People find it depressing, but I actually love it a lot. I find it fascinating. And yeah, this is just Black Mirror coming true. It's just, it's just, it's just weird. It's a weird time to live in. It's also a bit curious, you know, I have this kind of like weird curiosity about it because I've never faced anything like this. So it's something new, but it's not good new, you know, it feels weird. I definitely think 2020 is going to be a year for the history books. It's something that, mm -hmm. you know, our future grandchildren are going to read about in history class because it has been such a strange year. I mean, you have the pandemic, you have like like Black Lives Matter movements, you have all these things that are happening and yeah. changing the world as we know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. <laughs> so let's change gears a little bit because one of the reasons I love having this podcast is having the opportunity to give advice to young entrepreneurs. Um, I think sometimes this is a path that doesn't give a lot of help to those young entrepreneurs who have all these ideas, but they are not educated where to take them because, like we said before, they're taught a very linear path. So they're like, mm -hmm. you know what, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to be a creative or an entrepreneur. And the world is just beating them down saying, no, 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 you're not going to make money. That's not what you need to do. Um, so do you have, you know, any advice for young entrepreneurs who might find themselves in that place where they don't feel motivated or encouraged in their lives to pursue what they're really passionate about. Yes, absolutely. I think in the, in the past years, especially, I think I would even say, especially by building fashion pot, like I think there were like a few lessons I learned. And I think only this year, I think I'm actually, you know, as a young female entrepreneur, it's very challenging. I mean, it can be definitely even more challenging, but it is quite challenging. So I think I faced a lot of challenges, challenges through growing fashion public. So I think I do have a couple of advice. So, I mean, as I like to start with something that I already mentioned to basically conclude this topic is 
I think it might sound very cliche, but I think you just just start doing something. I mentioned it about my toothpaste uh, venture and also um, the dance school. I just I didn't overthink it. I just started it. I don't even remember how long it took. It was a very short time. With fashion pot, like I mean, it's it's different, of course, because Louise has a very different path from me. But I think when I look at companies, because we also meet a lot of startups on a daily basis, and I also meet a lot of people who want to start their own companies. And one of the things I notice often is that, oh, I have this idea, but this idea, but no, I'm not ready. I don't have enough money. I am not confident enough. I don't have knowledge in the industry. And I think you just start start doing it. You know, Otherwise, I believe if you just don't start doing something, you don't have to open a store. You know, Start small you know like even yeah like for example like um you know a friend of mine wanted to have a bakery bakery can be risky bakery can be very complicated to you know open like this the, the whole like food industry is quite complicated in general so what she did she just started an instagram account and i think in a month it just like it just grew so much so now she is actually ready to start a bakery that's just a small example I think no matter how cliche it is, just start doing something. Talk to people about it. Um, I don't know, like listen to a webinar, make a draft, make a business plan, um, open an Instagram account. You need to start, whether these are tiny steps, if you're not ready for big steps, but you need to make those small steps. I think otherwise it will always be an idea. And I think you, I think from my experience, pers only, personally, of course, only, I think you will never feel ready. You know, I don't think this moment ever happens mm -hmm. where you sit down and it's like, you know, like this click, oh, now I'm ready. I I don't know, from my experience, it never happened, <laughs> to be honest. Also, I think perfection doesn't exist. So it's not that you need to, you know, achieve a certain amount of money, you know, earn a certain amount of money before or uh, get a bachelor, master's, doctors. No, just to start. It can be a side hassle, but to start. Also, that yeah, this this kind of relates a bit to 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 the universities and you know like as you know as we mentioned this like typical path, but again, it doesn't have to be. You can just start something on the side. But yeah, um, another thing, I think, as an entrepreneur, this is very underestimated. You need to be ready to fail and to say goodbye. And whether it is to people, whether it is to a business, to your business as a whole or money, money for sure. <laughs> you will definitely spend money on your business and you might lose it. Your business might never work out. That's, I mean, I think especially, not especially, but I think like in the whole business industry, the startup industry, because I'm more familiar with it, a lot of businesses fail. I would say, you know, more than 50%, I mean, many businesses fail. So when, you, when you're starting, some, starting something, you should have it in your mind that it might not work out and that's okay. You might lose this money, but that's okay. And I think if you're not ready to um, acknowledge this, if you're not ready to accept this, that may, maybe, I don't, maybe you shouldn't start it. Maybe it's a bit too radical, but I think in the beginning when, you know, when we had tough times with Fashion Pot, like I would take it so close to my heart. I was like, oh my God, it should work out. Oh my God, what's going on? But then I think with years, of doing this you understand yeah it might not work out but if it doesn't you know we'll earn money we'll start something else
that's I think quite uh, important. Mm -hmm. And another thing, which uh, again is based on my personal experience, which I actually learned like the last, it was one of my last conclusions out of all of these, I would say, I think it's, you need to accept that you're young. I think, I think being a young entrepreneur is cool. I think it's cool because I think this is quite a recent thing, you know, um, and being a young entrepreneur, it can mean two things, actually two, I would even say like slightly the opposites. You need to understand that you don't know everything yet. And there are people who are way more experienced than you. So I met a lot of people, young uh, entrepreneurs who are super overconfident, you know, like they would just like, they would think that they're hundred percent right. And this is wrong, I think, in its core. Uh, I think, yes, as in, you know, as if, it, if it's an innovative new idea, yes, you have a point. But I think in the whole industry, you definitely don't know everything. So when someone is giving an advice to you, even if you think it's wrong, it's still good to listen to this, listen to this advice. It's good to get feedback. It's even better to have a mentor who is experienced. Uh, that's fantastic. I think in my case, my mentor i mean we never really agreed on that but i think louise he has yes louise has uh over 15 years of experience uh compared to i have less definitely and he is a lot of experience and he was kind of like my mentor in this regards we never agreed upon this but he taught me a lot so and i think in the beginning i was quite you know we would even have arguments i would be very you know i think i would say yeah, I was overconfident and I would sometimes argue about things that I should have not argued about. So yeah, my my conclusion is to just listen to feedback, understand that you're young and you might not know everything. And the opposite comment of this about being young is that you still need to have this confidence, you know, because people will judge you for your youth sometimes. I experienced it um, when we were looking for investments. I talked to a lot of investors and um, also investments and sales actually. And I talked to a lot of professionals, investors, whatever they were, they were all much older than me. They were all, many of them were in their 50s, 60s. And when they see a young female entrepreneur, they, automatically many of them not all of them maybe but they automatically assume that you might be very inexperienced that it's just a fun project it's not a serious business even though fashion pot like is you know quite a big company at the moment um, so you need to understand this as well that many times people will make weird comments many people will assume that you don't know what you're doing many people might not trust giving you their money so that is a challenge but just be confident know your business well and just do it you know just prove it and do it i think if you're confident mm -hmm. and you know what you're doing initially they again might assume that you don't but i think mm -hmm. through the conversation if you get to the point where you are actually talking to them just just prove it with your confidence that's fantastic advice and i can relate to the story when you were talking about investors. I have a startup company right now. And one of our first meetings with a potential investor mentor, 
Um, you know, he could have he could have been a lot of different roles for the company. Mm-hmm. And we all sat down around the table. I have um, two men who are in the business with me. You know, they're part of my team, mm-hmm. but I'm chief executive officer of the organization. And we sit around the table. So there's three men and then me. I bring up my laptop to start taking notes. And he turns to me, the mentor investor. He turns to me and said, oh, are you the scribe? And I turn back to him and I say, no, oh, I'm the CEO. Yeah. Wow. I was shocked. I have <sighs> never been so steamed in my entire life. I can totally imagine this. And I, you know, I like I like to think that he didn't mean anything by it. But another thing that comes with the confidence, I'd consider myself someone who understands that I do not or will not know everything. And I need people to teach and learn from. I love learning and I love being proven wrong so that I can grow as a person. But that meeting, I was the most professional stick to my point, stick to my guns. I think I have ever been in my life because I wanted to prove to this man yeah. that I am I am a young woman and guess what? I can do this. Absolutely. Yeah, I think definitely that's the right attitude. If you know your business and if you're a CEO, I mean, or co-founder, whatever, you know your company more than anyone else. And it, if you're building a business, it must make sense. So, you know, you just, just turn on this confidence and just, Prove that you can do it and that's that's a terrible experience and i can absolutely relate to this and i think that it brought back memories i had even worse situations where it's not that they just thought that i'm just on the meeting randomly but where men would you know not not only not take me seriously but they could come to me and almost you know <laughs> it almost like touch me you know because it's a young woman who needs money for her company. I feel terrible talking about this, but you know, like they would think that it's okay to even, you know, like, you know, like touch my waist and like, hey, like say, hey, sweetie, you know, like things like that. That's just, you would never see this, you know, like of an investor coming to a young male CEO, for example. I mean, of course, because yeah, it's a different thing, but still, you know, it's like as a female, young entrepreneur, these three things, I think they are still not very solid in our society, unfortunately. But it's a whole different topic, of course. I could talk for hours just about that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the point that I wanted to make is just if you have these experiences, you're definitely not the only one. So just try and not take them too close to your heart you know this happens to everyone our society is a bit yeah i don't want to (laughs) say word like words like fucked up but it's still tough it's still tough but you know if you're making a company as a female young entrepreneur then together we're changing the world and that's pretty cool so let's just yeah do it together (laughs) yeah i think that might have been your your clip that i'm going to use to promote this (laughs) you know female entrepreneurs I mean that is why I started this podcast is to bring women together and create a better environment I mean at the end of the day that is what I'm here to do you have to start somewhere (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely so another thing that I am obsessed with that I ask every single person who comes on this podcast is to walk us through a normal day in your life if there even is such a thing as a normal day as an entrepreneur yeah so I think in terms of the day itself, there is a sort of schedule of a workday, but in terms of like the work activities itself, 
then it's always unpredictable. So to talk about my day, like I actually, when I think about it, I like look at my today because it's my first kind of day when I went back to my routine, right? Because it's my second day in the office. So it's actually my first day where I follow my old routine, like of the, the routine of three months back. So that's kind of cool. So when I'm not on the quarantine, because <laughs> it's very different on the quarantine, of course, when I'm not on the quarantine, what I do is I wake up. I, yeah, I generally wake up slightly later because I'm actually like a night old. So I end up staying up late and working uh, working late as well. Like I'm generally way more productive in the second part of the day, which I learned to accept and just, you know, like go with it. So I wake up, I drink some water. And one of the habits that the quarantine gave me is actually to start a day with a like small yoga routine or an exercise. Honestly, I haven't done it before. I would do it like three times a week at nights. But with the quarantine, I realized it's quite cool to start your day with yoga. It's really energized me, even though it sounds super, you know, like very um, kind of like picture perfect, but it's actually true. Like, like the quarantine brought it into my life, which is quite cool. And then I get ready. I don't have breakfast. I just quickly, in the, actually generally in a massive rush, I get ready. Then I actually, I check fashion potluck. Either when I wake up or before I go to the office, I check Passion Potluck, what's new on the website. I check all our social media platforms just to see what happened during the night. And then I cycle to the office um, in, in the Netherlands. I guess you might know this, that everyone has a bike and we're all cycling everywhere. That's the best way to actually get anywhere, the fastest, the best, and I think the most uh, like sportive way to get anywhere. So I'm cycling to the office, which takes me like, I guess like 12, 15 minutes. And during the time I either listen to a podcast, today I listened to one um, podcast actually in Russian language. So it was about a, another female entrepreneur, which is pretty cool. So I got like excited for our podcast mm -hmm. today. I cycled, but generally I'm either listening to podcast music or I'm actually catching up with one of my friends while I'm cycling on the phone with the headphones, of course. And then when I take to work, there it becomes a bit unpredictable. I get my coffee, I open my laptop, I check through the news. I generally go to, you know, like I check the, the general news, what's happening in the world right now, spend a bit of time on that. Then I check a Russian um, independent magazine called Wanderzine. Unfortunately, it's in Russian, but it's like an um, independent magazine uh, for women, it's quite, also feminist so I'm reading what's new in the feminist industry around the world and also in Russia particularly um, then I open telegram it's um, it's a kind of like a chat app as well similar to whatsapp but more encrypted and there are different channels there of, about marketing and art and strategy and I think I follow a, about 12 channels so I just w see what's new in my industry in marketing and content because I'm always trying to stay up to date with it. I think actually it is really important. Whatever you're building, whatever your company is doing, stay up to date and be the best in it. And then my, yeah, basically the fashion product working day starts and it, it can be whatever is needed on that day. Like we have employees who have specific tasks, who have like a specific position and they do every, every day, yeah, you know, like they have similar tasks. 
However, for me and Louise, it's every day is different. I can do, um, I can build a new marketing campaign. I can just check on uh, our marketing activities. I can do a social media marketing plan. I can do sales. I can do prepare like a live session or yeah, or actually like, anything else i also make videos and content creation and <laughs> a bunch of uh, different stuff and then afterwards uh, i generally cycle somewhere whether it's my place or meeting with friends i quite often have dinner with someone either friends or louise my co-founder we might grab something after work um yeah i generally i don't eat home very often so yeah, we either make dinner with friends or buy something or go to a restaurant. And then I go home. And at home, I either just crash because it's late or I can catch up with my family. I can also help them. Like a lot of my friends, a lot of friends and family, they ask for creative advice, you know, because um, I do a lot of creative stuff and I generally get asked for advice so I can help with that a bit maybe you know maybe watch something a series but unfortunately during the work days it's really hard for me to watch something or read something because there's almost no time because we me and Luis, we work quite a lot there is no such a thing as a proper schedule for us like we start in the morning like 9 30 10 a.m and then we finish then when we finish. <laughs> it can be 8, 9 p.m. sometimes. We also work on weekends, so. I'm jealous of your morning because I would love to be able to cycle oh, yeah. work. I know, that's the thing about Amsterdam, to be honest. I've I've never done it before, but I that's just, that's just amazing. But yeah, I mean, there is nothing, I guess, special. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's just work, 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 and I must say that, I mean, I, I love doing that though. <laughs> like fashion public is, it's not a job for me, right? Cause it's my company as well, but this is a favorite thing that I've, my favorite thing of all the jobs that I had. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just amazing. So another question I like to ask everyone that comes on is about, you know, sharing resources that you love because I found so many amazing podcasts and books and recommendations from the women that I have on this show. So what is a book, a resource or a podcast that you love and want to share with the audience? Okay. <laughs> so I think to be honest, it might be funny, but I think this is like the hardest question of today. Uh, because in general, I may be quite indecisive in general, but also for me, there's not a thing such as a favorite you know, food or favorite drink. I can never choose just one thing or even two. So it always depends on the life phase, mood, etc. So I guess I'll just mention that the content that I consume is both in English and in Russian. I'm from myself from Moldova. I think I mentioned it, but very briefly, which is a like ex-Soviet Union country. Uh, I'm not from Russia, but I speak Russian, so therefore I consume uh, content in Russian a lot. I read magazines, books, podcasts in Russian, in English as well. But I, I won't mention the Russian stuff because I don't think it's really relevant for the audience. In terms of the um, 
English uh, resources, what I can say, I would say that I read magazines such as The New Yorker, ID, um, Elephant, Glam Cult. I think those are quite popular, independent and not magazines. I think they have very interesting stuff. And in terms of books, let me just mention the ones that I read lately because I also don't really have a big, good memory for the names. I like a lot of books about psychology. I believe, yeah, maybe this is not super um, relatable to the audience, but I believe that human psychology is is quite everything as well. You know, like if you can understand people, if you can understand their actions, then I think it's just easier to leave and even build a company, you know. So I read a lot of psychology books and the past books that I read are Men's Search for Meaning. I think I'll, again, send it to you as well as a list. Um, I read as well, now I'm actually reading um, a book uh, called Love Sense uh, from Dr. Sue Johnson, where she scientifically uh, explains the meaning of love scientifically. I think it's the first time anyone ever explained love scientifically. So that's quite interesting. It's not necessarily about a relationship about a man and woman. It's love in its greater sense. Very interesting. And then another good book is um, Authenticity. I don't remember an author. I read it, I think, two years back, but it's fantastic. It's a book about being authentic, why it is important to being authentic, and you know, basically changing your behavior into the authentic matter. Uh, also, uh, Utopia for Realists by Ruth Harry Bergman. And another one, which I'm actually planning to read next, is a really good book called Flow. So yeah, I'll provide it as a list. This is all psychology related, not entrepreneurship, but I think this actually helped me a lot through my company as well. Yeah, I'll be sure to list all of those in the show notes. I personally love psychology books as well. For the longest time, I actually wanted to be a psychologist until I realized that I um, internalize other people's problems. So I figured out that was not the best career path for me. Um, but I'll make sure to include all of those in the show notes so people can check them out if they're interested. Yep. Um, my last question is, where can the audience find you if they want to connect on social media or check out Fashion Potluck or anything of that nature? Yeah, so as we are a social media platform, we also promote ourselves on other social media platforms, of course. So you can find us, the Fashion Potluck account, you can find it uh, pretty much um, anywhere. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Medium, what else we have? We have even SoundCloud, we have our own podcast, uh, even, yeah, Apple Podcasts. Uh, basically, I think anywhere, that anything that you can think of, we are there. And our username is Fashion Potluck. The main thing is our own social media platform, of course, which is fashionpotluck.com. It's a website. And I think if anyone is interesting, interested in finding my profile, it's very easily done through our social media channels, whether it's Fashion Podluck or our Instagram, because I appear there quite often. But also my account is uh, Jules.Mitereva. 
Well, Julia, thank you so much for coming on today to talk about fashion potluck, your journey, your education, and honestly, everything in between. I feel like on these episodes, we go down a bunch of different paths that I don't even expect, and it creates such an amazing episode. So, you know, thank you so much for coming on today. And it's a little bit later there, you know, we're getting into your dinner time there almost. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thank you as well. I think, to be honest, I think I could talk for hours and there is still like plenty of things that we didn't touch upon but it was very interesting I, I was a bit maybe nervous in the beginning but I feel extremely happy right now I think it was a very good conversation and I mean I'm happy that together we can uh, inspire and empower women and thank you as well for doing what you're doing.